Oh, Princess Peach, my brother, my brother Mario, he's a banner, he's a gonna missing. Oh no, Luigi, oh no. Well, I guess, should should I go back to sleep or? Well, this is about, it's a Mario. Oh, my, it's an uh, my brother, your lover, he's missing. He fell oh. down a, a hole in the Antarctica. Oh, that sounds terrible. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm in the middle of something right now, so I, you know, I, I don't feel like this is something we gotta deal with right away. If it's a Mario, oh, right, it's yeah. a Mario, oh, the hero no. of the Masaruma Kingdom. Oh, yeah, Mario is missing. Mm, was I'm having lunch with Bowser, so now's not a great time for me. So, Bowser is a behind this. Bowser Uh, is a reason Mario is a missing. Oh, what a coincidence. I certainly had nothing to do with it. Um, yeah. Well, I'm a two a dumb to piece of this together, despite the obvious clues. So I'm going to scour the globe of planet Earth, visiting different cities to find Mario. You you do that. Um, I'm gonna be over here doing a three way with Bowser and Bowsette. <laughs> Have a, just on the Mushroom Kingdom ride of my life. Good luck, Luigi. Okay, bye bye. <laughs> I fucking hate that guy. He's like, <laughs> so dumb. He's so dumb. <laughs> yeah, he's dumb. He's stupid. <laughs> we escape Bowser's Antarctic fortress and return stolen stones to the Great Wall of China in 90s edutainment debacle Mario is Missing as Mario continues this week on How Did This Get Played? How did this get played? The show where we discuss the worst and weirdest and what about the droid attack on the Wookiees? Est video games of all time. That third <laughs> W is by K Tanaguchi. Submit yours at get played pod hashtag WWW. I'm Nick Weiger along with Heather Ann Campbell. I'm Heather Ann Campbell along with our producer, Matt Apodaca. Let's go, everyone. It's a me, Matt Apodaca. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go, everyone. And the welcome back a bucket. Wait, what the fuck? Edge. I forgot about yours. I forget about your your welcome back bucket part. How do you 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 forget about yours or mine every week? And it's now. I mean, we're almost a hundred episodes in here, dude. So you're saying we should cut it? What? We just cut all of it? <laughs> no. Okay. We'll hey, end the I show. Wanna- and I reminder, Nick, we're not talking yeah. about sandwiches today. 
<laughs> I don't know what you could mean. I don't know what that's a reference to. Guys, I want to preface today's podcast with uh, I had my first workout of quarantine. Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, and I am so sore that I, it's hard for me to laugh. So I know that I often don't really laugh at what you guys say. Mm-hmm. But today specifically, it will be. I will be holding back a little bit more. So I don't mm. want you to like judge yourself. I certainly right. don't want you to self-censor, but it. it's, it hurts to talk yeah. out. It hurts to push my stomach enough to create sound. So, um, so what I'm hearing is go for it. Yeah. Go for it. <laughs> go for it. Um, I'm in but, bad but, shape. I mean, yeah. I'm in yeah. hellacious shape. It was hard. It's hard work. But hey, if you're out there and you've got your vaccine, get get back on that horse. Don't don't worry about it. It'll throw you a couple times. Ride that horse. Let's all have. What is it? Hot vac summer. Is that what it is? Mm -hmm. No, hot shot summer. Shot girl summer. There it is. Oh, cool. Shot girl summer. Oh, that's fun. I only know about the white boy summer. I'm pretty excited about that. Oh, no. No. It's going to work out well for no. me. No. That's oh, my demographic. No. Oh, no. Hey, oh, no. Uh, we're continuing Super oh, Mario. No. Oh, no. <laughs> we're continuing Super Mario as we explore the worst and weirdest games in the Mario franchise. But first, before we descend into this, descend down a warp pipe into gaming hell. We're first going to spend 70 seconds in gaming heaven. Matt, let us know when to begin. Let's do it. So I don't know if this quite qualifies, but it's on my mind. It's in the zeitgeist, and I think this is probably our only time we can talk about it and be topical. The Mortal Kombat movie we have all seen, Mm -hmm. all have differing opinions on, but it is apparently pretty... I don't know the the dense Mortal Kombat lore and canon all that well, uh, but someone who does, Ben Meckler of, of Mortal Podcast, uh, mentioned on uh, our friend Ify Wadiway's podcast that this game is as loyal to Mortal movie. Kombat's canon. Yeah, I'm sorry. The, this movie is as loyal to Mortal Kombat's canon as the Super Mario Brothers movie is to Super Mario Brothers canon. It's, yeah. I apparently strays pretty far, which I'm just surprised by. Well, we did a, a segment where you read canon. That's for, right. For Mortal Kombat. And it was that you were the murdered brother of yourself who was that's seeking how, that's, revenge. Yeah. That's what's ha- what happens to Sub-Zero ultimately in Well, the that doesn't that doesn't happen in the movie. Spoilers. It doesn't. No. Nothing, nothing that you recognize from the game will happen in the movie except a few fatalities. And you're like, I've seen this before. This what is it- just... This is just well-rendered versions of the fatalities from the games. <laughs> yeah, time's up. All right. That's about what that movie deserves, I think. <laughs> we did it. We got it. I told Mary that I was watching it for a podcast, assuming we would do like a DLC deep dive. And if that's literally why I spent two hours watching Mortal Kombat, was that 70 seconds? Then <laughs> fuck you guys. <laughs> fuck you. We'll talk about it later. Yeah, we'll talk about it later. But right now, let's introduce our guest, video game reporter for Bloomberg News and co-host of the great Triple Click Podcast. His new book, Press Reset, Ruin and Recovery in the Video Game Industry, is available May 11th. Jason Schreier is here. Hi, Jason. Hello. Thank you guys so much for having me on. I'm very excited to be here to talk about terrible games. It's good to see you, Jason. A thrill to have you. 
Yeah, well, uh, I, I I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about my book yet, or if there's like if we have to if we have to save it if I'm allowed to bug it. But it's fitting because my book is about horrible things that happen in the video game industry, and this is a podcast about horrible games, so it works. <laughs> you know, if you want to, you could spend the next hour talking about your book, and we'll just sit here listening. <laughs> it, it'd probably be a better a better podcast for most of our audience. Um, no, I don't know. I feel like people out there are like, oh man, Mario is missing. Like I rented that at Blockbuster and it was terrible. I want to hear about it. Cause I feel like this game really lures you in with the Mario thing and then you play right. it and it's like, oh my God, a good game is missing here. <laughs> I've been sitting on that one. <laughs> I loved it. Um, it, it is, uh, and we'll get into it in a second, uh, but it, it was the first, like, Luigi starring vehicle. It was the first time you, like, Luigi is the main player character in this game, and that was a huge novelty at the time, and I remember as a kid who had a Super Nintendo, I was like, oh, I want to play this game. Never got a chance to as a kid, uh, but I, but yeah, it, it was, it was, it was, the Mario franchise had that lure for that reason. Um, but I, you are a big Nintendo fan in general, yes? Yeah, I think the last time we podcasted together, Nick, we were talking about Donkey Kong Country. That's right. Or another, if I remember correctly. Um, yeah, I, I'm a huge Nintendo fan. Love the Switch. Love um, a lot of Nintendo stuff. Huge Zelda, huge Mario fan. And grew up playing all these games. And I actually first played Mario as Missing back in the SNES as well. Um, oh, wow. But most most games, it's funny, like on the NES, usually there are a lot of bad games on the NES. And you just kind of dealt with the fact that like you get an NES game, maybe like a 50-50 shot, you're going to get something terrible, maybe even, even lower than that. But on the Super Nintendo, I feel like most of the games you would get would be pretty good. Like I feel like that's when developers really started like hitting their stride. You get like, you bring, you go to the store and it's like, oh my God, Chrono Trigger is here. Secret of Mana is here. Right. Like you bring home all these, all these, all these incredible games. And so you kind of feel like Nintendo is at that level and you see a game with Mario on the title and you're like, oh, this has got to be good. But no. Yeah. <laughs> I've got a I've got a question for you, Jason. You're you're as an just a self-professed Nintendo fan. Mm-hmm. You've got you got your your big four I'll say big four uh Nintendo uh protagonists looking at you in the face. You got Mario, you got Link, you got DK and you got Pikachu. Unless we're doing like exclusively first party, then I would say Kirby. Yeah, maybe Samus? Like Samus is in there. It's interesting Samus? that Pikachu you consider as a yeah. protagonist because right. I, I I don't think of Pikachu, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah, it's his story. It's Pikachu's story. Right, it's all his story. Well, okay, so we'll go we'll go Mario, Link, S- Samus, DK, and Kirby. Okay, you're looking at them all straight in the face, and you have to execute one of them to prove you're not on their side. You have mm-hmm. to shoot. You're at a, you're at a pris- to, to like fully flesh out the scenario. You're at a prisoner of war camp. And Bowser thinks you're working with the Nintendo mascots. He hands you a gun. You can't cry. You got to look one of them in the eyes and you got to pull the trigger. Which one are you Jesus executing? Jesus Christ. <laughs> so grim. <laughs> Uh, I like nobody can see that Heather's in pain laughing. <laughs> um, um, I think Link. Link seems like an easy guy to execute because he doesn't oh, say sh- anything and he doesn't sh- have much personality. Um, oh, yeah. As much as I cold. love the Zelda games, like that, you could replace Link with anything and they would still be just as good. So I wouldn't mind executing Link, as opposed to all the others, like Kirby. I have a little Kirby plush in my background. Love Kirby. Love you DK. Do. Love Mario. Um, don't care for Pikachu, so he would also be an easy slaughter. But uh, <gasps> but yeah, the and Samus is awesome. So yeah, uh, Link, goodbye. See you later. Hey, uh, uh, 
Appadoc, can you add a gunshot sound right before I do this? Oh! <laughs> <laughs> so that we... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, great. Um, <laughs> Jason, I do I do want to ask you some uh, uh, a little bit about uh Blood Sweat and Pixels your previous book uh, which I I really really enjoyed and and it, it's I would say that it, I I know we have a, we have some non-gamers and and casual gamers and lapsed gamers who listen to this podcast and I would say this this is as as accessible of a piece of media about the de- development process could be like down to the point where it's like explains defines the term frame rate so it's it's very very accessible uh, but you talk about a bunch of different games if, if you're interested in how how these things actually get made uh, and why but but you talk about a few games that get referenced commonly on this podcast one of which is Stardew Valley which is just an amazing story and I knew that Concerned Ape was a solo dev but hearing the actual story of the man and how that process came to be was was incredible yeah it's it's quite a story I mean the fact that like one person created that entire game and like oftentimes in the games industry you hear about like oh my god this is made by one person like um Braid back in the day was made by Jonathan Blow or like Undertale is made by Toby Fox but really those games were actually made with the help of other people Braid had another artist um so did Undertale a lot of these games were made on engines that were like put together by other people um have maybe music from other people oftentimes it's like they they bring in other work even though it's considered like a solo creation under uh, Stardew Valley was literally made by a single person nobody else had anything to do with that game um at least until they released the multiplayer then he brought on one guy to help him out but he did the art the programming the design the code like everything about that game the music he created which is just like like mind-blowing yeah I first found out about it and, and it is like he had the infrastructure of he had a live-in girlfriend who did mm-hmm. not mean did not at all mind it sounded like uh, being the sole source of income for the household. And yep. so he basically was working one part-time job as an usher uh, at a movie theater, but beyond that was just fully you know just crunching on his own in his apartment making this game that you mentioned. Yeah. The, the thing that I didn't know from, from reading the book is that I always assumed it was just like built on unity or something. He made his own engine from scratch. Yeah. yeah totally made it from scratch. Um, yeah. And without his girlfriend supporting him, this would not have happened. Um, so that's like, I'm glad that, that the book was able to highlight her Amber Hagman as well. Um, but it's so funny now they're both bazillionaires. They've sold right. like 12 million <laughs> copies of this game. But you meet them, and I actually spoke to them very recently, still in the same house that they were in um, when I first met them in 2016. Wow. Um, still, like, like, like living the most humble life possible, which is very Stardew Valley. It's like their lives are yes. essentially Stardew mm-hmm. Valley, where um, I guess they didn't, like, spend tons of gold to buy a, a magical clock that, like, cleans things up for them. But, <laughs> but other than that, <laughs> their lives are very humble. It's pretty cool. It's, it's, it's a wild story. It, it really is. Uh, Heather, your mom is deeply addicted to Stardew Valley still? Yes. Um, and I don't know that she's listened to the episode where we talk about the fact that she's in the end game of Stardew Valley, but I don't know that she knows what the term end game is. So mm. I'm concerned <laughs> that it's going to make her anxious. Right. Like that she's done something wrong and the game's going to end. Um, she's She is a gamer in it in as much as she's played... Animal Crossing, Stardew Valley, and uh, Pokemon Go. That's as far as she's ever, ever gotten into gaming. But she's a natural. 
That's it. There's no, there's no, there's no fucking, there's no end to that anecdote. I just started talking <laughs> and there was nowhere for me to go. And I just kept driving and nobody bailed me out. Nobody. I was going to make a joke, but I didn't want to interrupt you. I was going to say, oh, like, what is it? What is it? Apodaca? That one What's of the, the other joke? games that she played was uh, Demon Souls. That got nods. That got nods. No laughs, but nods. So, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. that's why. Well, I, I mean, it could just be a, like a, a fact is the thing. Like sometimes, yeah. I guess the I guess the joke aspect is that it's such a hardcore game. Yeah, and those other games are not, and it's they're like, more casual. It'd be like okay. kind of an interesting game. I don't, for can Heather's you really Mom call to... Stardew Valley casual? Like people have good point. F- thousands yeah. of hours on that thing. I don't know if I'd call <laughs> that game casual. I don't think you can play Stardew Valley casually. I'm sure right. she has thousands of hours in Stardew Valley <laughs> at this point. Wow. I also think it would be worth setting up Twitch. Flying my mom to Los Angeles, plopping her down on a couch and starting Demon Souls with her just mm-hmm. to see how far she gets in that game. She doesn't have the muscle um, dexterity to do analog controlling like mm-hmm. camera and uh, and movement right. at the same time. So um, I don't imagine that it would be an enjoyable experience for her. No, it's yeah. hardly an enjoyable experience for me. And I know I, I can do that. That game is so right. good. Yeah, it's, it's so great. Good. But oh man, hmm. um, are you a, a, a Jason? Are you a, uh, you a big Soulsborne guy? I am. I I was forced to play Bloodborne because um, on our old podcast before Triple Click, uh, our old podcast, podcast Kotaku's Whiskey, and we had this like ongoing predictions bet. We still do it, but basically we each make predictions at the beginning of the year, and whoever gets the most right gets to force the other host to play a game. And one year, my co-host Kirk Hamilton won, forced me to play Bloodborne. I was like, oh god, no! I've bounced off all these games, played it got super into it to the point where it like ruined other games for me. And then from then I got into the rest and yeah, Demon's Souls was amazing. It was, uh, it was, it was very, very enjoyable. Worth, worth going and trying to find a PS5 for, um, <laughs> which I know Heather, you got Nick, which I feel like should be it's brought true. up constantly. Huh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it was nothing. Uh. It was nothing. <laughs> No big deal. Everybody was, gets some. It's no big yeah. deal. It was easy, right? Easy. <laughs> Nothing. Thank you, Heather. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, you know, it wasn't a, it was easy. No, Don't worry about you. it, buddy. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but yeah, you. no, Demon's Souls is incredible. And it actually, I feel like it's easier than the other games because it can't really, um, you can't wind up in a no-win situation the way you can in Dark Souls or even Bloodborne. Um, like in Dark Souls, you can fall down. We were just talking about this on Triple Click, how Maddie fell down the frog pit and got cursed and like half her health was gone. That was the point of the game in which I rage quit because I was like, man, oh my God, I just died and half of my health is still gone? Like, what the right. hell? Um, so as opposed to Demon Souls, where it feels a lot more, um, kind of simplified and less hard to wind up in unwinnable situations. Man, I should get the Demon Soul Amiibo. Like, mm. I don't know why I didn't do that. That would, that, that would be an excellent addition to my Amiibo collection, which is I was super. Huh? Yeah, I didn't know this existed. A Demon Souls Amiibo, is that a thing? Yeah, there's a Demon real? Souls Amiibo. It's the praise there of the is? sun gesture. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Think think about oh, that. Crossover. It's a dark soul. I think it's a dark soul. Oh, it's dark souls, right? Sorry. Okay. Um, uh, souls is souls. Yeah, souls <laughs> is souls. True. What What is your? Uh, so I, I'm always curious about this with someone who works in the industry, 
and your day, your day job is consumed by video games. Like, when do you play games for fun and what do you gravitate towards? Yeah, I mean, I don't really like one of the things that happened to me while I was at Kotaku, which I was at for eight years before Bloomberg, is that like the lines of playing games for fun and for content just got totally obliterated. And I got to the mm. point where my mind was just like constantly racing every time I played a game, like what could I blog about here or what could I talk about here? And so now it's the same thing. Like I always talk about whatever I'm playing, like on my podcast or, or write about it in some way or another on Bloomberg, because it's, it's not a gaming site. Um, it's a business site where we're doing a lot less, like I'm doing a lot less, like here's a game that I played and here's what I can say about it. I don't know if the Bloomberg terminal audience would really care about that. Like some Morgan Stanley people (laughs) being like, Oh, uh, 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 this turnip game that Jason played sounds interesting. I just played a game <laughs> called uh, called Turnip Boy Commits Tax Evasion, which is as hilarious as the title makes it sound. Um, but yeah, no. So so like I, I play a lot of games for fun. Um, since having a kid, it's, there's less time for that. But um, and I, and I also play a lot of games for work, and the two are kind of like intertwined. Um, but I do manage to find like at least uh, an hour or two a day. Mostly on the Switch, which is very, very useful um, when you have a kid for playing games. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, Well, speaking of the blurred lines between consuming games for fun and content, (laughs) Mario is missing. Is missing is a 1993 video game that was released for MS DOS, NES, Super NES, and the Macintosh. Now, to put this in perspective, what other games came out in '93? Well, we've got Doom, Disney's Aladdin, Super Mario All Stars, and a former podcast favorite, Day of the Tentacle. Also, uh, the piece of shit missed. Uh, Mario is missing. <laughs> wow. Heather, I am 100% with you. (laughs) Nice. Nice. All right. So Mario is Missing is an educational video game developed and published by the software Toolworks originally for MS-DOS. It's the first game where the primary player character is Luigi. He has to travel around the world and find and return stolen treasures as a part of a quest to find his brother Mario, who has been captured by Bowser. Now, I'll read from the instruction booklet here in case uh, you're a little confused about the context of the game. Like, isn't Mario usually in the Mushroom Kingdom? What is he doing on planet Earth? And do the Koopa kids exist now in our reality? (laughs) So, Mario's missing introduction, Bowser's plot. Oh, no! Bowser and his bad boys are back to a life of crime. This time, it's not Mario World, it's your world. From his Antarctic castle, Bowser hustles his cold-blooded crew of cantankerous Koopas into his powerful passcode-operated remote transport and larceny system, or portals. The Twisted Turtles transport themselves around the the globe where celebrated cities suffer shell-shocking crime waves as turtles trash landmarks and loot ancient ancient artifacts. With dough from his slimy sails, Bowser hoards hair dryers from the have-to-have-it hotline. His plot? He'll melt Antarctica and flood the planet. Whoa! So So, (laughs) none, none of that context is in the game. None of it. 
<laughs> None of it. Like it's it's I it's him. He's just in Antarctica, and Mario is there. There's no explanation of any of the honestly. There's no explanation of any. There's no connective tissue between all the thi- the artifacts being stolen across the globe and Mario's disappearance. Like it, even even the ending does not illuminate what that was all about. Even the setup on the Super NES version, which each version is a little bit different than the last, but in the intro, you're. Mario is on screen and he falls through a hole, lands in front of Luigi, then falls into another hole. And Luigi says he's going to help find him, then turns away from the hole and leaves in the other direction. And Yoshi gives a take to the camera like, what the fuck is happening in this game? Like it's they have the opportunity to clarify things and they purposefully don't. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they have dialogue boxes, and the way they choose to use them is Luigi says, see you next fall, watching his brother plummet to his death. <laughs> it's it's very out of character. Uh, but also, the intro has such a clear goodbye to fun moment if you're a kid, which is that Mario falls off screen, and then Luigi turns to Yoshi and says, you stay here, I'm going to go find him, and goes off by himself. It's just like Mario's gone. Oh, Luigi could ride Yoshi. Nope, it's just Luigi by himself going on this this geographic this geography centered quest. <laughs> so, if you're if you're at home and you're trying to imagine what this game is like, you are you enter a castle and there are four or five unmarked red doors. You open a door and are transported to a city on Earth and you don't know what city it is. So your first task is to walk up to strangers and go, where am I? Uh, That's that's like the core gameplay initiation is where am I? What is this? It's (laughs) baffling. (laughs) <laughs> it, it's really confusing. It's 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 inscrutable without you know a fact or I guess the instruction manual back in the day, uh, back in the the days before tutorials. But Jason, you you did play this game as a kid. What is your memory of it? I did, and I actually just replayed it. And I, I wanna I wrote down I wrote a couple of notes as I was playing, and one of the things I wrote is Luigi says, "Where am I?" And this guy that he says it to says. I like pizza. I like pasta. Ciao, baby. I'll see you. And it feels like borderline offensive, some of the, the right. in this game. Um, yeah, and then like other people are making puns about like, go where the Romans go or some, and stuff like that. Yeah, so as a kid, I mean, I don't really remember much. I just remember like like maybe renting it or playing at a friend's house and thinking it was terrible and, and not wanting to play it again. Um, I do remember that it was like very clearly part of this whole edutainment f- uh, phenomenon, yes. which in the 90s was this whole like, hey, people are playing these into these video game things. Let's make them educational. And there are a whole lot of things wrong with that. First of all, because like making like pr- prioritizing the education and not actually making a game that's fun to play is how you wind up with like inscrutable games like Mario is missing. Um, but also like as a kid playing a lot of video games, I learned so much from games that weren't supposed to be educational because they were yeah. just teaching me like how to read and stuff. Like reading Final Fantasy games like taught me a lot of English and taught me how to how to read things. Um, but yeah, no, it was it was <laughs> quite bad, especially because there was actually a few game a few good edutainment games like Oregon Trail and like um, uh, the Treasure Mountain game that I enjoyed playing. So yeah, 
just just terrible stuff. Um, even even back then, which I think is noteworthy. Like there are games yes. we all played as kids that are like we look back now and are like, okay, that was pretty bad. But like this, I feel like people knew at the time that it was pretty bad. Well, it's the it's the wherein I, I I that's my memory as well is that that, that it was known and it was known at the time to be like a piece of shit and it's all it's also so clearly a ripoff of the where in the world is Carmen mm-hmm. San Diego formula which is a good edutainment series I think I think the fact that it so much of the game uses borrowed or uh, recreated Super Mario World assets including art and music uh, you know it's just Luigi's exact uh, character model uh, or sprite uh, and the the information kiosk worker is so clearly just peach uh, with a palette swap <laughs> so funny <laughs> so obvious the crown is still there and I think that, that that creates two problems for the game. One is that it reminds you of Super Mario World, which is so much more fun. And you just were like, I'd rather be playing Super Mario World than being playing this edutainment uh, game. Like, like you're reminded of that at all times. But the other thing is there is such a stark qualitative contrast between the borrowed assets and the original assets uh, meaning the humans, especially the sprites of the humans that you interact with, the people that you go around and ask, hey, where am I? They look like complete shit. They look so <laughs> fucking awful. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a little bit ridiculous. And yeah, it's a constant reminder of like, even the beginning that you described where Mario falls in the hole, that's all modeled to look like Super Mario World's intro. And so it's very much a reminder that like, oh yeah, you remember that awesome game you, you were playing before? Well, this is not that. Um, and yeah, I mean... <laughs> I was thinking about this from like, because I play a lot of games for my job and I re- I've reviewed a lot of games and like thought about what makes a game good. And I feel like there are a lot of reasons, there are a lot of like things that might make a game good. It might be um, a, like interesting decisions that you're making. It might be that like there's a core gameplay loop that is super fun, like like stomping on Goombas in Mario and like getting like running and jumping in Mario. Um, it might be like a really good story or there could be a lot of different reasons the game is good. And this game just has none of them. It's like no. they just they just like the, the gameplay is you run around, you stomp on Goombas, the hitboxes are all off so it's not even fun to stomp on the, or Koopa Troopas. It's not even fun to stomp on the Koopa Troopas. Um, occasionally, randomly, one will drop something that you then have to bring to one of those peaches um, and it's an artifact that's missing in the city and then you have to like solve trivia but based on the the pamphlet that she gives you about that artifact but it's not even good trivia it's like the type of stuff you would have to memorize in history yes. class like 3,000 soldiers or 300 soldiers like that sort of bullshit so it's not even interesting trivia interesting questions I remember Carmen San Diego having way more interesting questions at the very least Worse For than sure. that, worse than that, uh, if you visit the Mario Wiki, as I did, <laughs> there is a list of all of the factually incorrect items in this <laughs> educational game. And I am I, I would like to I would like to screen share for a moment here, guys. Oh, God. Uh, let's I'm going to share the screen so that the boys can see uh, what it is that I'm staring at. All right. So share. Um so here is the uh, is the list of um, of errors in uh, <laughs> this game. So we start. Here's page one, two, oh my three, wow, four, five, six, seven pages of errors and factual mistakes in an educational game. They call <laughs> Montreal an island. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so, 
Mos- Moscow alone looks like it has like like 20 documented errors. <laughs> yeah, it uh if you want me to read some, uh Please. I can uh, I can read some of them. Um for example, uh the largest lake in Russia is said to be the Caspian Sea. However, the Caspian Sea is not enclosed within Russia but merely connected to it. And even then, the largest lake to be connected to Russia is actually the Black Sea. The largest lake to be fully enclosed within Russia is Lake Baikal. Uh, so, I mean, there's, it, it's like tangible. It's not like, oh, this could be construed as correct. It's like, well, if you meant this, that's wrong. If you meant right. this, that's wrong. In, In fairness, gr- there was no Wikipedia. So they that's true. Really? <laughs> but there were encyclopedia. <laughs> Those are expensive and they didn't have a very big budget for this game. Um, I was actually looking, I was, I was trying to find, I was trying to track down like who made this game and, and could not. It's like a couple of people are listed in the credits and it seems like, like I found one of their Twitter account, but couldn't get a hold of them. I really wanted to reach out to them and be like, what, what were you guys thinking back then? Because uh, <laughs> I really wanted no, they, it, it's it's probably that just like they like you were saying, they probably had no money. And then also this is just like a game that I may I, I it doesn't feel like there was a passion behind edutainment driving this. This wasn't like, you know, like a teacher turned, uh, you know, game designer who like wanted to like it share it wanted a way to help kids learn. Um, it, it feels like none of that existed. It, it feels like a pretty joyless experience. I, I, I will say, can you say about the gameplay? So. You mentioned you you stomp on Koopas. Yes, there is one enemy type in the entire game. I know this because I played the, through the first five uh, cities, and then I used a password to jump to the last world, and the same enemies are in every single level. It's just a red Koopa Troopa. Mm-hmm. But... The way the game is set up, they are on a different plane than Luigi, so it's impossible to take damage at, at, in this game. You just you can just walk by them, or if you choose to jump on them, you can do that. So you can kill them. You can kill, but not be killed. This also extends to the boss fights. If you get to a boss fight, all the boss does is run from one end to the other, and they, it, you know, if you try to jump towards them, they will sometimes change direction. But that's it. All they, all the only thing they have is evasion, and and there's no way to take damage in this game. So it's pretty like even the platforming just sucks because there's zero tension. It's just, it's it's such a bummer. And uh, so you're doing this, and, and basically, I feel like the main thing that you're learning from this game is that since the artifacts are distributed randomly when you kill a Koopa, it's like, kill everything. That's the best technique for this game, is to go to a city, kill everything you see, collect the artifacts, and then return them to their rightful owners. What what Mario game doesn't have that message? Fair. I mean... That's fair. <laughs> your job in the Mushroom Kingdom is kill everything like you're you're just you're just horrified because it's taking place on the streets of rome but if this was like you know the green fields of whatever the fuck mario is in in super mario world you'd be like yeah execute those guys right (laughs) yeah it was donut planes i wouldn't bat an eye but well, if right. in, in fairness, in fairness, I think the Koopa Troopers are supposed to be like Bowser's troops that have been sent to steal these artifacts in the first place. So it's good to kill Bowser troops. It's like killing Nazis. Like you, you want to kill, you want to kill Nazis. I think it's worth mentioning also that the MS DOS version of this game contains the sprite from which the Luigi meme is pulled. Like we're playing a lot of <laughs> games this month that are going to have memetic content in them. Uh, like the Hotel Mario has, you know, that 
awful see uh what full motion video animation full in quotes motion in quotes video right. in quotes uh but this has the the luigi face that has been the luigi meme for the last 10 12 years and i i was a little bit i was like oh it's that guy <laughs> and then i felt nothing else <laughs> which face are you referring to because i'm not sure if i can if i know the exact meme you're you're referencing I mean, it's the Luigi meme. The Luigi meme face. Luigi meme face. What? I mean, <laughs> Can the- you do I Google that exact string and it'll come up? Yeah, if you Google Luigi meme face, then you get the Luigi from the MS-DOS version of Mario is Missing. Uh, the one I get is a woman in a bikini and her head has been replaced with Luigi's. <laughs> Uh, that's, I think, a little different. Yeah, could you uh, send that to me? <laughs> All right. <laughs> how, about, how about Google Ouija? W-E-E-G-E-E. Ouija. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that one. Wait, so, that, oh, so, this, so this asks, that's, that's not in the Super Nintendo version. That's only in the, the DOS version. Yes, that's the DOS Got version. It. And that's the face, that's the face of a million memes. <laughs> I think the DOS version is a lot better. Is it? Just, not just because it has the meme and and originated the meme, but I think it's like like slicker and the UI is better looking, and I think it's easier to play with a point with a mouse than than a controller. I didn't play; I played the Super Nintendo version, so I I do not know that for sure. But um, but but from googling it, I I, I want to say something that I was going to say for my review crew segment. So I I'm I'm going to paint myself into a corner here by saying the the core idea of this game actually is cool. Like if you were to render these cities in really lush detail, like I'll say Assassin's Creed style and drop off beloved characters in them who don't know the city. And then you were basically a tourist trying to figure out what city you're in, what's missing, interacting with NPCs, like going to museums, looking at like famous sculptures this would be an excellent, cool educational game. Like, sure. Luigi is your guide to a fully realized planet Earth. Would be awesome. Um, so I wanted to give them credit for that and that alone. But now I've, <laughs> I've just wasted, there's nothing else for me to say now about my, the positives for this game. If the gameplay was like a little bit better, like if there was something to like really get you invested, like and hooked, and f- if if something about it felt satisfying, then yeah, a hundred percent, like that would be an awesome concept. Um, but it just needed that, and like it's so clearly not a game that Nintendo would ever make or or develop because no. it's like so clearly needed that Nintendo, like Miyamoto in a room, be like playing a controller and being like, no, this is not this is not how you make a game. Um, I will say one, you're absolutely right. There's just, there's just no fun to be had in this. And it's not even satisfying to return the artifacts because the artifacts all look the same. They all mm-hmm. look like, at least on the Super Nintendo, they all look like little, gar- little you know, piles of rock. Uh, and, and so it's, 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 yeah, there, there's nothing satisfying about it. But one thing that I did enjoy is I had, I used a, a fact. I resorted to a walkthrough for this because I actually don't, don't know how you could play this game without one. It's, it's, it's extremely uh, oblique. But here was the introduction for the fact, and I love this on Game Facts. This was Nintendo's attempt at making an educational game fun. They mixed together history and geography with action adventure gaming. 
It's a good idea and might be able to be used as a teaching device, but it's lacking in a few areas, mainly the actually making it fun part. <laughs> I was bored to tears by the second set of stages and wanted to cry by the third. However, I stuck with it and tried to finish it. I couldn't. So I let Ice Flamethrower have a run with it. But now that he retired from, the, from FAQ writing, looks like it's up to me to finish the entire thing. <laughs> Raging Demon 10, published now, July 10th, 2002. I play that game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Man, it's, that would it's, be an uh, awesome movie. You got to finish the fact. Your, your fact writer buddy died before he could finish the fact, and you, you are set on a quest to finish it. I'd watch that movie. It, I, I love it 100 percent. I mean, it's it's so I just like the dedication to just like I have to complete this document because so, if I don't do it, so no one else will. And he's right. No, one, like this is like the one FAQ that, that is a full walkthrough that exists. Um, and at 20, you know, this was published in 2002, 20 years later, I'm using it to play through this shitty game on this shitty podcast. I mean, it's like he, he actually did some work that contributed to uh, to mankind. <laughs> it was all worth it. <laughs> uh, there's, it, it's, it's very hard to navigate as well. I would say, like, it took me a long time to realize you can go towards the screen and go down by walking in crosswalks. There's no indication that that it works that mm -hmm. way. You can't. You yes. There, there's an, a clear streets that lead toward the horizon. But if you step in the middle of the street to go up, like towards the horizon, you won't go up. Like you no. have to walk on the sidewalk, even though you are immortal in this game. Like you cannot be killed. And every single time you look both ways, which I think is like, it's very much like someone who worked on this game was very much like, we have to make sure kids know to walk on the sidewalk and to look both ways before crossing. Cause that's very deliberate in this game. For, for sure. And and then there's also the, the, in addition to the city map, which you have to like look at all the time. Cause it's, it's impossible. The, the, the environments in one city all look the same. Every street looks the same. So it's impossible to be, to get oriented. There's also a, the world map, the globulator, and the way that works is that I guess this is a, this is again it's supposed to be an edutainment thing, but Yoshi is by default in Antarctica at Bowser's Castle, and so when you want to leave a city, the only way to do that is to navigate Yoshi on the globulator to whatever city you're currently in on the world map, and then he will appear, and then you hop on Yoshi, and then you can jump into the blue pipe uh, guarded by the what the what's the Mario cactus called? Mario cactus. Mario, Mario cactus. cactus, right? Guarded by the Mario cactus. Pokey, I think. And um, yes, yes. And then you'll, uh, and then you can, then you can exit the world. It's, I don't know. I mean, I, here's, I guess my my big complaint beyond it being like zero fun and and you don't learn anything from it is that it it, it attempts to be nonlinear. Things from it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it attempts to be nonlinear, but it's not really nonlinear. It's like. Let's let's say you decide because I tried to do this at one of the one of the cities. I was like, okay, I'm gonna collect all the artifacts first, and then I'm gonna just gonna go to the, all the information kiosks and deliver them. If you do that, and you go like you still have to go to the information kiosk in the correct order because you like if you go to Big Ben uh, and you have both the crown jewels and Big Ben's clock hand. Uh, and you walk up to it, they'll be like, we don't we can't use the the crown jewels here. Like it won't accept that you have both items. You have to go deliver the crown jewels first. It's like if like an open world game, you, you could you could take on three quests at once, but you still had to finish the quest you took on first first. It's it's just like it's so clunky. And I, I think that just speaks to the overall clunkiness of the game. I, I, everything is unintuitive. I don't even know what money does. You get money for things. Do you know what do you can you spend money in this game? 
Uh, yeah, you I don't have to think spend, so, no. You have to buy food to feed Luigi. Otherwise, okay. he starves to death. Uh, I missed that. Yeah, you have to... He, <laughs> Right. Because he's he now element. well, you weren't playing on hardcore mode, Nick. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> he he adheres to Earth rules now, so he gets hungry and must defecate and urinate. Like Mushroom Kingdom <laughs> right. is like everything doesn't matter, but he's got to sleep. He's got to be hydrated. He's got to visit the hospital once in a while and get checkups. Yeah, <laughs> he's got to go to the dentist. Get his, yeah, get his root canal, <laughs> DMV, all that stuff. Um, <laughs> Nick, you mentioned the world map and like the city map, and those really piss me off because it's so tantalizing. Like you see those maps, and you see the wor- all of Earth like rendered as this awesome Super Mario World style map, and like it makes you think of a way better game. Like imagine a game, yes. like Heather described before, where like you're just exploring Earth as the Mario as the Mario. Uh, I guess we kind of got that in Odyssey with like New Donk City, which is sort of like New York City. But like I would I would totally play a game where you're exploring that Super Mario World style map, going to cities and just doing platforming levels instead of whatever bullshit this game does. I was such a when New Donk City, when they were showing those those the you know, those first screenshots, the first footage of him in that environment, I was such a skeptic. I was so like, this is like, what are they doing? And then you play it and it's just like it's like the most fun I've ever had in a 3D platformer is running around New Donk City. I was so completely wrong. I was like as wrong as I was about when they unveiled Wind Waker and I was like, that looks like shit. Whoa. I was like, well, well, how could I possibly have had that opinion ever in my life? <laughs> in fairness, a lot of people said that. I yeah. want to say to Nick that it takes a lot of guts to own up to a take that bad. That you saw, <laughs> you saw Wind Waker and were like, fuck, this looks like shit. I saw Wind Waker for the first time playing on a CRT with a VHS tape stuck in it at an anime expo in Anaheim. And just like at somebody's booth, somebody had footage of it from like some Japanese event. And I was like, I thought there was a Zelda cartoon coming out. I was like, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. Like, it looks like CG, but also like a cartoon. And there were, like, people with their arms crossed kind of grumbling around the, like, around the booth, like, looking at it and, like, having conversations. I wonder if one of those guys was you, Nick. I remember. (laughs) This is how we met. I'm remembering now. Well, we should get to our final thoughts for this edition of Mario on Mario's Missing. It's time for our review crew. It's a review crew. Loved it. I loved that. So we'll say something positive about this game, do our best and give it a numerical decimal rating. Uh, Jason did mention the world map in the aesthetic of the super mario world map which is uh like on it it is legit awesome like i want that poster that is that is uh, a very cool but my thing will be just because this made this this made me laugh and maybe this ties into heather's um i don't know if this i don't know if this qualifies as a factual error or not but it did make me laugh is when you deliver the hand the like hour hand or minute hand or whatever the fuck it was for big ben to the uh palette swapped peach at the information kiosk to complete that quest. You have to pass this history quiz as you do with all of them. 
And uh, one of the questions was, what is Big Ben? And I answered clock and it was wrong. And that made me laugh. It's because it's not the clock. It's apparently the bell. And apparently we're not using a uh, synecdoche here. It's just it can it is not what it represents. It's the bell itself. Uh, so uh, I'll give this game a 0.5. Uh, Heather, what do you think? Well, first off, I want to say that when you said, oh, man, I would love a printed out poster world map of the Earth in Mario style. I was so excited because the game itself came with a fold out map. But if you look wow. it up. It's just a regular map of the Earth with Luigi pointing at it. Like, it's not. Oh, Jesus Christ. Have- Fuck. <laughs> Sucks so bad. Oh, my God. They have the asset. They can do it. <laughs> Ow. It hurts to laugh. It's so funny, though. Um, my positive for this is I laughed out loud when Peach, when Princess Peach referenced in all caps, Christ the Redeemer. And I was like, those are words that should never come out of Peach's mouth. I mean, I know it's because she was referring to a statue, but it was so bonkers to just read a, like the text from Peach, Christ the Redeemer. Um, <laughs> Clearly, Heather, you haven't played the little known game, Mario Has Risen. <laughs> <laughs> it's a spinoff, but... This- this game is bad. I listened to, so I was like, oh man, what do I do for the positive? I could talk about the concept. I listened to every track of music from the game, like being like, there must be a good track because it's still the Super NES sound chip. There mu- and, and it's all, um, uh, what, what would be the, the way to describe this without canceling myself? Uh, it's the music it's the it's a it's the uh, music right. of Mario with some international flair. There you go. Great. <laughs> there, yeah. Okay, sure. That's you could put it that way. I would say it's a racist rendering of Mario themes. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, this is a bad this is a bad game. It's not enjoyable. It's the, the locomotion just isn't bad. So I'm giving it a 0.2. Mario wow. is missing, and so is the fun. Wow. F's all around so far. Matt Apodaca, what do you think? It's hard to pick a positive thing from the game, so I'm going to go ahead and pick a positive thing uh, like around the game. And it's uh, it's these two emails from Jason, <laughs> our guest, and they're back-to-back. Uh, and this was after confirming that we were going to do this game. Jason wrote, sounds good. Very much looking forward to this. And then his next email was, OMG, Matt, this game is so bad. (laughs) (laughs) And just the two of those back to back really made me laugh. And, uh, so I, yeah, I'm going to give this, uh, I don't even remember what I gave Hotel Mario. Uh, I'm going to, I'll give this a 0.5. This game is, it, it's nothing. It's not, I don't even know. It sucks. Uh, yeah, uh, Jason Schreier, something positive and your rating for Mario is Missing. Yeah, there's not a lot of redeemable stuff in this game, but there was one moment that stood out to me, which is the intro on the Super Nintendo version. I don't know if this is in other versions of the game, but um, when you get off Luigi, 
and he does the staring at the camera thing that you mentioned. His head does this weird tilt, and it's like it's almost like they took the the they cut the sprite in half and just took the head and made it rotate. And it is one of the most disturbing things that I can remember seeing in a game in a long time. And it made me want like a horror a horror game where you have like Yoshi sprites just like looking at you and like looking at you in deformed ways. And yeah, it's 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 worth playing the intro just to see that because it's pretty pretty amazing. Um, so that's that's my redeemable thing. Um, and yeah, I would have said the world map looks cool. But um, yeah, I give this a, a zero point two as well. I just don't think there's anything redeemable. Um, at all about this game this is and i i don't know quite what our floor is as far as reviews but this is near the bottom this has to be near the bottom of of games as far <laughs> I'm as honored to, just numerically to be here for this for, for worst <laughs> game that even even the show about playing shitty games the shittiest the shittiest of the shittiest and yes. i get to be here you're welcome um <laughs> but hey those were our thoughts but maybe we're wrong maybe we were wrong We've got reviews from all over the internet, and if we had a positive experience, these will be negative reviews. And if we had a negative experience, these are positive reviews. It's all about maybe we were wrong. You mm. know what, Nick? I've got a a couple of reviews here in the form of the original advertisement for Mario is Missing from a magazine. Uh, the ad is targeted to parents and isn't in a gaming magazine itself. So this seems like the kind of the kind of ad that might have appeared in like Vogue or Better Homes and Gardens or like right. some mom-centric publication, right? At the top. Uh, Playgirl. Ma- M- huh? <laughs> you know. Playgirl. Mom's secret stash. Yeah. <laughs> Yuck. <laughs> so <laughs> magazine reviewers are in and the experts love this game, starts the ad if you're shopping for games for younger and gentler players consider mario is missing says multimedia world mario is missing is an excellent learning game and lots of fun great family fair says game players a unique game that's fun for all ages a wonderful educational quest says egm this is a great game for a child and adult to play together says sierra parent i'm i'm gonna just read because the 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 ad is mostly text It is a page of text with a graphic of the game in the middle. It's Mario Brothers excitement combined with lessons in geography. Mario is missing from the software tool works combines the excitement of your child's favorite video game, the Mario Brothers, with (laughs) discovery and adventure. You will actually find it easy to say yes to that ever constant plea. Mom, can I play Nintendo? Why? Because this video game will enhance your child's education. (laughs) Yeah. Mario is Missing is a video game your child will play for hours, and without ever knowing it, they will actually learn. What could be better? This this ad is a lie. (laughs) Yes. And the big headline, the big slogan is, the best present you can give your child this holiday. Imagine how many Christmases were ruined by parents listening to this advertisement. Nick, how were you wrong? I got a Game Facts review by Lancer Boy. This is an 8 out of 10. I'll read some of this. A very educational game that gets a bad rap. Mario is Missing was not intended to be fun. 
Great start. <laughs> sure, the game developers hoped children playing the game would find it fun, but its primary purpose was to educate. If you can overlook the obvious lack of gameplay, you will be enthralled by the facts you will learn in the game, and the learning part will keep you glued to your TV. I say you because many of the things you learn in this game would be interesting for people well beyond the age of six. Each artifact you recover contains a very extensive article can, that can be quite captivating. It also includes a picture that became very fun to look at. The way the game is designed, you must become at least somewhat acquainted with every artifact you encounter because a quiz awaits you after each article that you've read. What caught my attention most about the game was by the fact that it takes you all over the world. It covers virtually every continent along with other cool things you'd expect to find in every country you visit. Sure, your enemies can't do any real damage when you touch them. You can easily disregard this game because of this fact. But the things this game will teach you or someone you love will stick with you more than any other game you will have ever played. So many people just have wrong information in their brains because <laughs> this game sucks. <laughs> That's so sad. Yeah. I want to I want to f- finish this segment out unless you've got another review, Nick. That's uh, it. That's it for me. Oh, okay, I found one. Can I can I share one? Oh, oh absolutely. Please. So uh, my my the site that uh, I worked for for eight years has an article that was published in 2015 um, by Kevin Wong, who's a great writer. I worked with him before. Called actually Mario is missing was awesome, <laughs> and this is a freelance wow. piece, and it it doesn't really deliver on the headline because it's more about how to him personally it was great. Um, and he writes that like today I can look back at the game and see the reasons why it's objectively bad, but I still have fond memories of it. And he talks about how like um, because games were expensive, he like had to find reasons to stay entertained and occupied when he got a game, and so like he really enjoyed the the little animations when you stop on a Koopa Troopa like when they disintegrated into bones or like when the ghosts left their body and stuff like that and he's talking about how like he enjoyed he spent he was an eight year eight years old and he spent all this time just running up and down the streets to see the animation when you run up and down the streets so yeah I guess for some kids um and if you don't have a lot of other games maybe you can you can find something to like about this one (laughs) that's that's really nice Mm. that's really nice Okay, I gave some kids some fod memories that they carried into adulthood. So yeah, that's great. May I may I finish out this segment with a, a little planned bit that I have? Yeah, please. That'd be all right. So the end of the instruction booklet has a note to parents, and makes me think maybe we were wrong. Dear parents, Mario is missing is a fun way for kids to learn about geography and world cultures. But to get the most out of the game, your child may need a helping hand. Here are some things you can do to help. Encourage your child to read all the clues and pamphlets of the information booths in the game to learn facts about each city and country that Luigi visits. If your child is a young reader, help him read clues and pamphlets. Discuss current events relating to places that your child visits with Luigi and share newspaper and magazine articles about those places with your child. So I looked up today's headlines from Rome, the first city that you encounter in the game. And I thought maybe I should share with the child that Italian juries are soon to mull Americans' fate over a slain officer. Or perhaps <laughs> Italy's virus recovery plan is failing. Or packed parks, lurking virus, worries mount as Italy opens too soon. And then finally, <laughs> beloved Italian singer Milva dies aged 81. Oh, wow. <laughs> Milva. Poor Milva. I mean, I wish yeah. I had known that as a kid. <laughs> uh, you wish you had known that Milva was going to die in, in yeah. 20 years. Yeah, I want to <laughs> know the future. 
Um, it's a uh, yeah. It's it's God. What a fucking bizarre piece of entertainment. What a bizarre piece of of software. But hey, it's time for the question block. All right, this one is from at LB Taco King on Twitter, and they write. What non-arcade games would you want to play as arcade games? I've played a Cuphead arcade cabinet, and it's even more difficult than the console version. Interesting. I'm sorry, could you repeat that question one more time? Yeah. What non-arcade games would you want to play as arcade games? I've played a Cuphead arcade cabinet, and it's even more difficult than the console version. Is there a Smash Brothers cabinet anywhere? Because that feels like a great candidate oh for like God. a Dave and Buster's. If they if they they figure that out, I mean, I know it's so it's so married to the GameCube controller, but I I just feel like if they if there was just like a, a like an HD melee that you could play at a fucking uh, at a barcade, I think people would would eat that up. I don't know. I guess you'd have to have an analog controller, um, an analog stick. For the joystick, but uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I, 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 to me, that it feels like the 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 high the like kind of the, the that mid, that point of like a, it's like a, a enough of a game, but also enough of a party game that I feel like people would crowd around it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that idea. That's a good answer, Nick. Good answer. Good answer. Survey says, ooh, number one on the board. Number <laughs> <Wow>. one. <laughs> Very nice. Um. My answer would be a motion-activated Star Fox cabinet with the same Star Fox graphics that we know and love from the FX chip on the Super Nintendo, but the cabinet itself, you sit inside and it rocks back and forth. And if you, and it's, hell, we're shooting for the stars. Make it one of those 360 Sega Sega bubble uh, things. So when you do a barrel roll, you can actually do a barrel roll. That wow. would be my answer. That sounds that like would, a real fun time at an arcade. That would be amazing. I, w- I just, I was like, have they not done that? It's like, oh yeah, how have they not done that? I guess it's really only Mario Kart that they've they've turned into a cabinet outside of those old school NES versus games. Um, uh, Jason, I, I, how much of an arcade fan are you? Were you someone who used to go to cades back in the day? I used to go to like we had a sports time USA here in Westchester, New York, where I grew up. I, I would go to that for friends' birthday parties. We always played the Simpsons game, and oh, yeah. uh, and that was that was the old go to. But like I don't know why anyone would want to do. I mean, I guess there's an appeal to barcade, but the thought of having to play a game where you just where it's just asking you for quarters constantly is like we get enough right. of that from like modern games asking you for microtransactions all the time. You really want more of that. But um, <laughs> here's here's a here's a left. Field left field idea Diablo three as an arcade game. Wow! I played that game split screen co op, or it's not even split screen. You're on the same screen, so co op, and it's super fun. And I feel like it could be really good as like standing with your friends and um and just playing playing together and and smashing up monsters and stuff, collecting loot. That's awesome. That's a great. I, do you remember there was a I remember which version of Gauntlet in the arcade. That some I, I don't remember if it was a profile system with a password. This was like in the early two thousands where you could like save your progress and you could you could advance your character over time. Huh. I might be misremembering it, but Wizard needs food badly. <laughs> <laughs> if there's something like that for Diablo, yeah, if you could like uh, you could you could somehow uh, merge it with a with a Battle.net account so you could save your progress. The yeah, you log in and you save your character online. Yeah, it could work. Fuck, I love it, uh, Matt. Any any games you'd like to see cabinetized? I I'm sort of thinking about 
for some reason I have like a a souls cabinet stuck in my head like that like Fuck. treating that like um like uh what was that game uh Dragon's Lair but with souls with like that would just be like that'd be insane people would be so mad wait so <laughs> so you want to animate a playthrough of a souls game and all you do is respond like quick time event style or are you saying leave the souls difficulty curve intact and you're it's an arcade so every time you die you just have to put in more money i mean in this stage of development i'm not willing to leave any idea off the table so i'll, I'll take <laughs> <laughs> I, I i i'll take both and you know let's 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 beta both versions and see what happens <laughs> um uh i looked up the gauntlet game uh and it was Gauntlet Legends, and then they, t- they had, then there was later da- Gauntlet Dark Legacy, uh, which I think was ported uh, to to home consoles. But yeah, you could sip. You had passwords and characters that could be saved, so you could come back. You could keep returning to the arcade and and fucking uh, advance your character over time, which is I don't That's know. It was cool. a cool novelty of of its of its time. Uh, but hey, let us know your picks and let us know your questions. Hit us up on Twitter and Instagram at GetPlayedPod or send us an email at GetPlayedPod at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at 616-2PLAYED. That's 616-275-2933. Our music and engineering is by the great Devin Bryant. You can follow him on Twitter at BaffleGabs. And our guest has been the great Jason Schreier. Check out the Triple Click podcast. Great, great video game podcast. Uh, I'm a listener myself. And, and, and Jason, congrats on the book, Press Reset. Uh, tell us what you can about it and, uh, and when it's going to be uh, available. Yeah, cool. So Press Reset comes out May 11th. You can get it physical, you can get it ebook, you can get it audio. Um, and audio version, just like Blood, Sword, and Pixels, read by uh, Ray Chase, who is the voice of Noctis in Final Fantasy XV. And he's awesome. Um, really good voice actor. And yeah, it's a book about um, the volatility in the video game industry and what happens to game uh, to people who work in games when their game studios suddenly shut down. And it's about like how how things can be fixed. It's about what's wrong and how things can be fixed. But it's also got a bunch of stories. So just like Blood, Sweat, and Pixels, it's a compilation of different stories about things that have happened to people, all based on interviews that I did with people who worked at these, these places. So um, in there, you'll find the story of Bioshock Infinite and how that game was made and how it led to the studio behind it shutting down. Um, you'll find the story of Visceral Games, the company that made all the Dead Space games um, and what happened there. Um, one of uh, one of the most shocking stories is certainly the Kurt Schilling story, which is the former Red Sox pitcher who uh, went off the deep end and wound up starting a game studio because he really wanted to be Bill Gates rich and he wanted to take on World of Warcraft and wound up getting a loan guarantee from the state of Rhode Island for $75 million, blew through all of the money, had to suddenly shut down his studio, um, left like hundreds of people stranded, like cost them their their last paychecks. They're, they're like in Rhode Island where there are no other game studios. It was a disaster. Some people, because the company actually said when they moved from Massachusetts to Rhode Island as part of that loan program, the company actually said that if people had houses um, and couldn't sell them, the company would take on their mortgages and try to sell the houses for them um, and pay their mortgages until... Like so, they can move to Rhode Island until they sold. Um, but when the company ran out of money, turns out those those houses that didn't sell, ownership reverted back to the employees, and so some employees were were stuck with mortgages they they didn't even know they were responsible for. In addition to like their new rent or new mortgages in Rhode Island, it was a disaster. Um, 
screwed over a whole lot of people, led to Kurt Schilling. Well, maybe it didn't lead to. Kurt Schilling was always kind of a conservative guy, but certainly in the years following this, he became a Trump troll, like got fired from ESPN for transphobic comments, transphobic memes or something like that. And yeah, it's it's a wild story. But all that stuff and much more is in the book. Lots of stories of um, of of things going wrong, also stories of things going right, stories about how the video game industry can be fixed to treat its workers better. Um, and yeah, I'm pretty excited about it. I'm very proud of the book. It's called Press Reset, out May 11th. Awesome. And, and also, Jason, as someone who used to work in game development, I, uh, thank you so much for all you've done to shine a light on the, <laughs> uh, the working conditions in the video game industry, which are very often... I mean, crunch is so often egregious, and and I think you've done a you've done a great job of spotlighting that. So I appreciate that. Yeah, one day, I, one day I want to hear all your stories. We got to talk. We got to do a, a a podcast where you talk about all your game QA stories. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I I worked on all garbage, but the the, the thing is, uh, it's, it's I mean, it's, have it's, you seen this podcast? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've never listened to this. Um, I, the, I will say that the one thing that always makes me think of is because, you know, like so often crunch, I feel like is framed in in like I, I, I mean, re- example that's in everyone's head is The Last of Us Part Two, where it's just like that game is so polished. And the production value is so high. And it, like it's and the, I think the way that sometimes the crunch is framed is like, hey, that's what it takes. But having worked on execrable games myself, it's like. Very often, really bad games, It's the working conditions are awful and people are crunching because they're under a, a schedule that's completely Im, uh, unfeasible and their team is too small and their technology is outdated and the expectations of the publisher are too high. So like crunch sometimes leads to awful working conditions that have a, a terrible end result, uh, which is kind of worst of both worlds. Uh, but yeah, Press Reset, I, I, again, I appreciate all your reporting on that. And Press Reset, Ruin and Recovery in the Video Game Industry is available May 11th. And Matt, what's next week's game? Well, next week, the big 100, baby. It's the 100th episode, and we're doing Super Mario 64. Goodbye, everyone. A goodbye, Bucket. Edge. God, what a fuck you to our guests. <laughs> we're covering Mario 64 <laughs> next week. <laughs> You're like, yeah, Jason, you got to play Mario 64. Next week, Mario 64. Wow. <laughs> Mamma mia! 